0: Welcome to Mauerglass Podcast, where we view the world through the lens of design. I'm your host, Jill Mauer, and I'm here with Artemis. Well, there was a lot going on since we have last podcasted. Mm-hmm. First thing that comes to mind for me is the world cup and how crazy americans are going about this you know i've had au pairs for a long time when the boys were growing up and so i knew a little bit about the world cup because every four years or so they were all excited about it and we just thought it was cute and we found a bar where they could go find Mm -hmm. where to watch it but now americans are a lot are very interested in it
1: there are three world cups back so there was one in uh south africa in 2010 uh that's when I would say we had a significant amount of interest, and I actually think that a lot of it has to do with the games uh, that have been made for it. Like FIFA is one of the biggest games made for Xbox, PlayStation.
0: Oh, interesting! And it
1: has gotten so many people into soccer. I mean, I have a lot of friends who never really cared about soccer, but because the game is so fun, they started. It was like a, it's almost like flashcards. Like it taught you who the players were, who the best players were, and so they watch it, knowing, oh, I know that team. I play with them whenever I play with this. With yeah. this country, et cetera.
0: Interesting. So when my boys were little, my, my son um, played some soccer. But, you know, he was sort of the big, burly kid. He wasn't the best at it. And um, he ended up playing American football. And But there was this trend where it was much more difficult to find players for American football um, because a lot of them, the parents wouldn't um, you know, wouldn't let their children play. And there are some inherent dangers to American football. There are to soccer, too. I mean, I've seen some horror, horrible mm-hmm. injuries. But I do think I, I maybe it's a culmination of a lot of things. There, there. When I was a child, we didn't really play soccer maybe once a year um, in, in phys ed. So you have children growing up playing soccer. Then you have what you're talking about, the games that introduce more. And then the other thing that I think has has led to it, too, is our being able to watch whatever we want wherever in the world it is so on YouTube or whatever because you know when I was growing up other than Pele I couldn't name a single soccer player and there wasn't there just wasn't a lot on TV and Pele really transcended the soccer world and so we would see him on television sometimes my my father never watched soccer but he would watch Pele Mm -hmm. and but that was it other than that you just didn't even see it now we're exposed to more things and I do think that um you know in a lot of ways we're more of a global community and I think we're just more aware that yeah. there's a world there beyond our borders, and that not everybody cares about the World Series.
1: Yeah, and the one thing we care about a lot in America, especially, is uh, you know we love we love entertainment. We, mm-hmm. we do a lot of entertainment. So if you can frame anything into sort of a narrative or give it a lore or make it seem like, well, we're on board for pretty much anything.
0: Yeah, and if we think we're crazy fans, we ain't got nothing on these soccer
1: people. Oh Yeah, the uh, Mexico <laughs> played Germany uh, in, the, in this first group stage and surprisingly, well, some people weren't surprised, but I personally was surprised because Germany, they're the reigning champions and Mexico is a very good team, but Germany is, you know, this is the team right here. They scored on Germany. And when they scored on them, apparently the earthquake back in Mexico from everyone simultaneously like jumping and cheering was so big <laughs> that it caused a what they call an artificial seismic event. Not one that you could feel, but it was the people registering the earth were just like, uh
0: something just happened. This
1: must be I'm assuming Mexico scored because <laughs> Mexico City is a rough place to be right now.
0: <laughs> That's kind of great. There was um I don't remember there was back in the day there. It was something about there was a problem in some city because there was a very popular TV show. And during the commercials, everybody was flushing the toilets at the same time, which mm-hmm. was stressing the whole plumbing system. That happens system. with the Super Bowl a lot. Does um, it? Yeah, it happens <laughs> in the first like
1: five minutes of halftime. and I mean, the power grid, They the electric companies even have to boost power for certain things. Like, when, <laughs> you know, when they know everyone's TV is going to be turned on, like they adjust knowing how fans are going to react. People underestimate that. I remember I was at the uh, Rally to Restore Sanity, which was an event that John Stewart hosted... Uh, with Colbert, I, I want to say back in 2000, I think it might have been about 2010, 2011. He did it on the uh, in the National Mall, like on the front lawn of Congress. And it had they were expecting about 50,000 people. They got almost a quarter million people there. And the MythBusters came out and they said, "We're going to do an experiment since there's so many people uh, you out there on the big screens. There's a big countdown. Uh, when it goes 3, two, one, 0 we want you all to jump up in the air at the same time, and we're going to actually measure the seismic level of it." Now, being the jerk that i sort of am i was like i'm not jumping i want to feel it so i stood still and everyone jumped up in the air and landed and i'm not kidding when they landed the ground went a good like six inches below my feet and it it caused like a basically a micro earthquake when they measured it's 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 crazy how much if you have that many people simultaneously doing something it can cause one of those
0: that's that's amazing you know I, I went to high school in Alaska and the, the, we have lots of earthquakes every day. There was an earthquake there and we know exactly where the fault line is and all of that. And our buildings are designed to handle an earthquake and what that means is that they're flexible. So we knew as a group that we could get a building rocking. You could do that. You can all work together and it doesn't take that much and you just sort of move and you can get it rocking. You go back and forth and everybody does it. But I, I never, it never occurred to me that you could, you could affect the actual earth. <laughs> beneath your feet.
1: Yeah, cuz we think the earth is, you know, it's it's really big, but it's it's really a molten ball of just a bunch of plates on the surface.
0: Yeah, but we're tiny little significant beings. Compared, you know, it's amazing That's that true. you can do it. That's yeah,
1: Speaking of uh, Mexico, so I think I was mentioning to you the the part that blew my mind a little bit is we were watching the Mexico game, and I was I was talking to my roommate. And we were like, "Yeah, you know, you could tell that's a Mexican uniform. Like, you can tell that that's Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's got green jersey, white shorts, and red socks." And then we looked at each other. And we were like, "Wait a second. So we you Googled, could
0: maybe get it confused with Italy or something. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but yeah. But, but you, you, you know, get it, you right? somehow
1: <laughs> get that it's it's their jersey. We we're like, if you put that jersey like just if you just had that laid out on your bed, you say that's that's Mexico right there mm-hmm. without any sort of flag. Um, And we were talking about that, and we looked it up, and obviously the Mexican flag, if you think about it, it's green, then white, then red, and they're all equal proportions. So why is it that when they have a green primary color, like the shirt is the biggest part of the color, why is it that we know that's Mexico? So then we started thinking about ours and how USA, I mean typically, we do white too, but typically we either do blue or white as our primary and we use red as the accent. Like we're mm-hmm. very we're very uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, conservative red-a-phobic. with our red we're redophobic.
0: <laughs> I wonder if that has to do with the red coats. Because our Yeah, our colours came from the, the British flag. Maybe we I mean, I don't know. This is mm-hmm. I'm winging it here, but maybe <laughs> we just we took the colors for the flag. But then when when we zoned the red coats, we were like, okay, but but mm-hmm. we, let's not emphasize the red.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and we, we buy that. You know, George Washington he used to make his own uniforms, and he he liked the color blue, and a lot of the colonial people they used blue, but and it was sort of our official color. But blue is an expensive dye back then to use. Well, so. but
0: they were in the U.S. where we have indigo, mm-hmm. and so maybe that's part of the reason that we liked it is because it wasn't as expensive for us.
1: Maybe red might have been, you know, you don't want to confuse us. So normally they'd be wearing whatever they had, but if they wore something, it would be blue. So maybe that's what it is, is we all would just sort of use blue as like that's our colonial look. But I don't know. Because if you look at the flag, and then we looked up the actual law, and it's something like, you know, U.S. law 10,346. But it actually outlines the actual dimensions of the flag. And someone online did all the calculations because you have to take like stars and negative space and like Mm -hmm. how much that takes up. Um, But they figured that blue only makes up about 17, 18% of the flag. So considering that's our primary color for most of our national designs, it's interesting that that's the...
0: I wonder what percentage blue made up in the beginning when we only had 13 stars. You know, there's a big difference between 13 and 50. Yeah,
1: you'd imagine it's less because it's fewer stars, but, you know...
0: But still, it's not going to necessarily be as much of the red and white. You know, that is interesting. I was um, looking at some of the soccer... Okay, I'm just gonna say soccer. We did a video where I got flagged every time I said soccer. I know if you're out there and you're not it's American, it was all in fun. I mean, the funny football. thing is, is the announcers.
1: <laughs> we noticed the announcers are starting, and some of them are for the American broadcast, but a lot of them say soccer just as much as they say football. Okay, some of them are saying uniforms and kits. Like, there's sort of, it's interesting that I don't know if it's American influence, but that that and, section of fandom is actually starting to influence our announcers or people that are commissioned by us to announce so it might start creeping its way and
0: goal right what do they call it a goal goal and okay
1: a, oh you mean like a, they had a goalie and then they had a keeper but oh, the announcers call it a goalie still you know they'll they'll call it a goalie
0: yeah a keeper that's quidditch <laughs>
1: that's i've never
0: true. Really? They call it a keeper.
1: It can be called a keeper, yeah. Interesting. Goal. It's a goalkeeper. It's you know, a keeper that would be... Uh,
0: as most of you know, we also do YouTube videos. That might be an interesting YouTube video just to look at some of the...
1: The words and stuff like
0: that. Well, some of the um, uniforms. Because I have to tell you, like I'm underwhelmed with a lot of the uniforms. Some of the uniforms are cool, or the kits, or whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. And some of them... I couldn't, you know, they look like my son's high school football practice uniform. Like nobody would go to a game in that. Mm-hmm. And I understand that as Americans we're kind of loud and proud and we come in flamboyant and it's all about, you know, the show is as much as a, you know as a as the whole thing. But I don't what is it about these soccer people? Is it that they just have no style? They have no flair? Is it is oh it that part of the culture is to be understated? Like I'm genuinely asking. I mean, I, I don't I just don't see the team. I'm sure it varies
1: country to country. Uh we were talking about uh, Brazil and how they've got more championships than anybody else and they have sort of used their same uniform forever and it, it I'm sure it has a lot to do with uh what is what is the word uh it's sort of like luck superstition like you don't want to change what you've been doing because uh,
0: they win so much
1: Yeah or you know it's just part of their uh, But I'm
0: telling you I look at the Brazil uniform and I think okay wait a minute is that Sweden? <laughs> You know, it's similar colors, and they're not... I don't know, I just... And Brazil, I mean, when you think about Rio, and you think about all the grand...
1: When they hosted the World Cup in 2014, the ball that they had designed for them had every color under the sun. It had green and orange, and it was blue and pink. It was was a very flamboyant ball.
0: Well, Rio... um, The Carnival, you know, is held in Rio. And Rio... I mean, people in Brazil... Are stylish and that we you know they're gorgeous. They're stylish. They know how to use color. They're they're out there and then you just see the uniform. You go um okay.
1: That's an interesting task for somebody. Uh, there's this architecture book where they this famous architect who I can't name because I I try to read a lot about different things that I don't really know that much about and but it's hard though because sometimes I want to store stuff but mm-hmm. I don't have the memory to store everything so I try to store the bigger picture. But generally what this guy was talking about, and he was apparently a huge advocate for designing, using architecture to cement cultural meaning and better mankind, but also sealing not just the time, but what you hope culture to become. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about architecture, of just not being like, oh, this place looks cool. It actually has to do something. So it'd be interesting to talk to different designers of national team uniforms, like who work for Adidas, et cetera, of like, what is your purpose when you design this country's uniform? Well, and,
0: and is it somebody from that country design and di- designing it, or is it American? You know, again, with architecture in Rio, um, Rio has a beautiful, there are some just beautiful shots of Rio where that you really juxtapose the old and the new. The beautiful old architecture and the beautiful new architecture, and they don't, neither one apologizes. They're both there, they're proud, and they are right next to each other and i do think that that's the way it should be with architecture too i think part of what you're getting at is it's not just how beautiful the building looks but it's the functionality of the building how it fits into everything around it and um how the whole city works you know how it all works together and how it all lives together and gosh we could do a whole podcast on that, and all that. we can meander here when we're talking about design can't we <laughs> let's see what else happened you know um this was interesting because My son does play video games, and I don't think he's addicted, but sometimes I wonder, and I've had this conversation with him that, you know, I I really want you to understand, um, because he's an adult now, and he makes his decisions, but I I told him, I want you to understand that these games are designed to get you hooked on them. You are being played. You think you're playing, but you're being played. So they're, they're designed I've I've spoken before with a coder who who talks about how they very very clearly have studied the brain and how it gets addicted and how it gets hooked and the whole thing with levels and different little rewards. It really hooks you. And I've kind of seen that in my son. And again, I don't think it's over the top, but enough to make Mm. me a little worried. And the World Health Organization has just come out with a new a new report. They're calling video games. They're classifying them um, as a mental health issue. It's a they, the the mental health and addiction section of the World Health Organization is is identifying this as a as a disease or as a problem. And I think that there's still a lot of controversy around it. And I think that there are a lot of um, debates over it. But I'm seeing it. I can actually see it. And and I think that it might be intentional. In the, way, in the same way that the opioid addiction catastrophe that we're dealing with in the U.S. was intentional. People knew it would happen. They wanted it to happen. They designed it to happen. They exploited the way the human body works in order to make money, and this is really concerning me. I mean, I love design, but like anything else, design can be used for bad or good, and you know, it has me nervous. <coughs> Don't worry, I, I know an editor who can edit that out. <coughs> Good.
1: Smart guy, I'm sure.
0: <coughs> yeah, that's
1: that's interesting. I have a... I don't know, I, I do see... I think the only danger is that it looks like the main fear of everyone is overgeneralizing because there are video game addicts, and there's a lot of them, but not all video games are created equally. So, for example, the games you're describing, the ones that are designed to keep you hooked that falls in this newer category of like free-to-play where like they have made it so that you can't stop playing. But there are other kinds of games that aren't necessarily designed that way, and in a lot of ways they're just like movies. One of my favorite examples is the Assassin's Creed one. Essentially what it does is it it's this internal lore that takes different time periods, like they'll do Rome, they'll do Egypt, they'll do this, and it tries to tie them together with this obviously fictional story about Templars and Illuminati, etc., that kind of stuff. But it only comes out every couple of years, and when did it you does... just call
0: the Illuminati fictional? <laughs>
1: I did. I did. They don't. They 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 call. They use the word Templar, um, and the Templars were real, but their version of the Templars are. It, it's sort of a take on that, where the general idea of it is that there is this group of people who, throughout time, has tried to basically enslave us, and there's been this secret society known as the Assassins who are trying to keep them in check, and they're waging this.
0: Are they related to the lizard people?
1: <laughs> I'm sure that lore's coming somewhere. <laughs> some new game, Assassin's Creed, lizard lore. That's the general basis of it. And but it does. It's it's a very beautiful game because it's it's essentially a seven hour movie that you have to play certain parts to get the next cutscene. To the point where some of the newer ones, I honestly just watched all the cutscenes as this long seven hour movie because it's such a well written. The dialogue's great, and it's mocap, which is one of my personal favorite forms of filmmaking where it's real actors that have the things on them and as they act they digitally change them into a character and put them in a setting. Mm -hmm. So by all accounts it is filmmaking and in film studies you learn that over the years video games and films have become closer. It used to be okay you're a frog jumping across a traffic lane you need to get across there. That's all the backstory you get. Movies are being inspired now by video games and video games are taking a more cinematic approach so they're sort of merging, and a couple of filmmakers have said that one day they are going to be just about the same.
0: Okay, so for my fellow Star Trek fans, we know this. It's the holodeck. <laughs> He's not a Trekkie. We just need to give him a little space here to, to catch up.
1: No, not a Trekkie. I was a Star Wars kid. No, no Star Trek for me.
0: So when you say you were a Star Wars kid, what was the, what is the first Star Wars movie you saw?
1: Uh, I did see the original, original. So I did really? see four, five, six. Yeah, I had like one of the VHS box sets so of four, five, six, then one, two, three, and then. The newer newer ones so I I did watch it in the correct order I'll tell you that much but uh, but not only that I also read a lot of the books that go in between and the comic books and the extra lore that goes out there like the the amount of stuff that happens in between episode three and episode four in terms of like Darth Vader and Obi-Wan like all the stuff that happens outside and they've got all these shows now that show like it's a huge universe okay
0: my world has just shifted so you you are officially a geek uh, I feel like saying welcome. His eyes are rolling. And I don't he's recognize. Struggling. See, that's the thing. Is but I don't, he is. He's a geek. No, I don't, all I don't geeks, recognize right?
1: the word geek. Because geek implies that it's some. And back in the day, it wasn't. You know, you had the guy with the pencil holder in his pocket. You know, and you shoved him in a locker, etc. But nowadays, it's not. It's almost not cool to not have something you're super passionate. It's like something. Like everybody's a geek now. Okay, everybody's you're
0: welcome. Got, so <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a geek. I guess way before it was cool. I, I was in that. Cowboy era of starting a software company, and people didn't understand what I was doing. Why wasn't I becoming a lawyer or a doctor? Oh, and yeah. so,
1: yeah, now it's like everyone wants that. Oh, you're the guy that comes out and says, "Look at this new hovercraft!" Man. I know, I know. And
0: and being an entrepreneur, nobody understood that. I mean, um, my ex's parents wanted to uh, just annihilate me because I, yeah. So you're welcome. We've oh. changed the culture. Well,
1: thank you, thank you, thank you very much. We appreciate that. No, it's. Uh, I'm dead serious. It's it's everyone's obsessed with something nowadays, especially with all this media now. Like you can't not be a geek about something these days. It's impossible not to.
0: Another thing that I read about um in the news that is I, I'm frankly going to say it's disturbing me. And I I try to have an open mind about things, but I I do know just like design, design can be used for evil or for good. Science can be used for evil or for good and they they are they're often combined together. So one thing I was reading about was these whole towns that nobody knew about. They each had a couple hundred thousand people, and and nobody knew about them. And even the people living in them, they knew that they were working on a government project, but they weren't really sure what. They started as these beautiful sort of mid-mod towns. And, and what they ended up, what they were working on was... The atomic bomb and it wasn't until after hiroshima that that they knew that they knew what they were working on because they each only had to work on a certain piece and I, I i thought about that because i've also been reading about these babies that are being designed really to have three parents have you heard about this
1: three how do they have three parents
0: so what happens is Now in a typical situation, like say you and I were going to have a baby and I couldn't carry the baby or for whatever reason I would, uh, they uh, they would harvest my eggs, they'd put your sperm in my eggs, uh, and then I would, you know, and you'd have a fetus that they would implant. If for some reason, I didn't have eggs. Maybe they'd use another woman's egg Mm -hmm. um, and a sperm. And maybe if there was something wrong with your sperm, they'd use another person's sperm, whatever. And then they'd implant it. So there were, you know, it was it was a little more natural in air quotes because it was a you know one man, one woman. Mm -hmm. And even though you could argue that things were a little odd there, and that maybe you really shouldn't be using the egg of a woman who couldn't have a normal baby, you know, there's an argument for that because there's the whole natural selection Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But what this is, is apparently you can have mitochondrial uh, diseases, so or mitochondrial, and all I remember from my high school science was the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It sort of provides the energy. But here's what they're doing. And they're doing it in multiple countries even though some have not admitted it. Now Russia has, they have several babies, England has. It's still not happening in the US. US doctors, if they want to do it, are going to Mexico or other places. and. Here's the situation. So say that I have a a problem with my mitochondrial DNA and I might pass that disease on to a child. Or say I just am having problems having children. And so we're going to have a baby together, but we're having problems. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna take, they're gonna harvest one of my eggs, they're gonna take most of the DNA out of my egg, they're gonna take your sperm. But because I have a problem with the mitochondrial and I know I'm not explaining this exactly well because I don't fully understand it, but what they're gonna do is they're gonna take another woman's egg Mm -hmm. and they're gonna like sort of vacuum it out of all the DNA except for the mitochondrial DNA. So they're just leaving the shell of the egg and then they're going to put both your DNA and my DNA in that egg Mm -hmm. and then implant it in me or in another woman. And so what happens is this baby now has the DNA from three different people from you, me, and whoever donated the egg that is the shell. Now this is walking over an ethical boundary that the world has sort of collectively set because what happens is if that baby is a boy, it really only has the DNA from two people. It only has the DNA from you and me. But if it's a girl, the mitochondrial DNA from that egg, from that third person, is passed on to the girl. And then that, all of that mess, whatever that is, can be passed on for generations. And the, the line that we didn't cross before was that we would, that we would produce something that could have offspring that had altered DNA. And the truth is, we don't know. We have no way of knowing what kind of problems a person with with three sets of DNA is going to have. We have no idea
1: mm-hmm.
0: what could go wrong there. I see.
1: So if a person gets plastic surgery, that physical change doesn't really affect their children. It's right. their decision. This is a decision that not only goes into a person who doesn't get a say in a matter, but every one of their offspring forevermore.
0: Whatever unknown problem could be going right. all the way through. and And there may be no problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But so, and there's no, there's no world... It's you know, sort of we,
1: an endless guinea pig. Yeah,
0: because we can't even control. You know, as we've as we've as has been in the news recently, you know, we can't control what other what other people do with the atomic bomb. We can't control what they do with with DNA. I mean, I I honestly believe you know right now it's not legal to to or or the world has said it's not ethical. They're not going to clone humans. Um, I think humans have already been cloned. I think it's naive to think that they haven't. If you can clone a sheep. We are not more complicated than a sheep. You can clone a human and somebody out there has done it. And it might even be us. I'm not putting us on a, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not saying that we're ethically better than anybody else. I mean, so I, my concern really, like just looking at it through the lens of design, is that we're all afraid that we're going to annihilate the human race because of a war. But my concern is that we are going to actually annihilate our gene pool. That we are just going to destroy ourselves on a microscopic level, and it could be through this D- DNA problem, it could be through um, nanotechnology. I don't know, but I think that the enemy we're going to fight is not going to be big; it's going to be microscopic. We are not a united world, and we do things in secret, and and you can't. It's not just North Korea;
1: hmm.
0: we're doing it too. I don't
1: ethically. How how open are you to the general concept of engineering children? That's always a good question.
0: I'm really not. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm a particularly religious person. I, you know, and and there's always that thing about religion, but I, I do think that mankind can overstep its bounds. And some people will say playing God, and some people. I just think that there are some things that we shouldn't be messing with. That we we as humans tend to get in and mess with things that. We don't know enough about, and then majorly screw things up. Uh, and you know, our environment is one of them. The oceans. We, you know, we've done a lot that really isn't okay. And we just, we just go forward and we think, oh well, we can do it because we're exploring. But you know, we're we're a people of community, and we have to understand that when we make these decisions, we can not only harm a community, we may annihilate the entire Earth. Now, the other thing is. Um, there's the, the whole designer baby debate because now we're we're just one step away from being able to create that designer baby and say, not only that I want a girl or a boy, but this is exactly what I want them to look like. And um, I, I want them to look this way or have these attributes because I consider these attributes to be superior to other attributes. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that's not right. You know, we we as human beings... We tend to classify everything and think that some things are better than others, and they're just not.
1: Mm -hmm. People will. There are tons of people who, if they could control every facet of their child's development, don't want to have this, don't want to have that. You know, just to give him a leg up in the world, based on whatever that bias is. But you know, there are some practical applications. But the question is whether who's going to draw the line in the sand. Like if you had a child and the doctor told you that unless we do this, he is 100% guaranteed to have this incurable illness. But if you say yes, we can get rid of that. I'm more open to that. But the question is, who's going to draw that line? Yeah,
0: who's going to draw that line? And I will tell you that as the mother of a special needs child, mm-hmm. um, there, are, there are things that we know and understand because of disease, because of anomalies, because of handicaps, I'm not sure they're they're not purposeful. You know, people will say, "Okay, well, you know, God made a mistake or a mistake was made or this person isn't right." And I'm not, I'm not really convinced of that. There are things that people who are different can do that we can't do. There are things that we teach us and and just even understanding the human condition is important. And I think that I just don't think that we have the big picture, and I think that there's some cases where you just need to let nature happen. And if you could do it in isolation and it wouldn't annihilate the world, (laughs) I'd be okay with that. But my concern is that that's a distinct possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you know, it's scary to me. I I don't know. I think, and and there's this thing about race because a lot of times people, when I was younger, people would say, oh, it's going to be scary and terrifying because if, if we, if people of different races mix you know, it's just going to be like all one color and, you know, we'll all be...
1: Have you ever seen that uh, simulation? They, they ran a simulation and they showed, uh, they, they gave a rough estimate of what everyone is probably going to look like as we get closer and closer to the average. Um, and it was like 200 300 years out and it was it was interesting like
0: I'd love to see that because I, my response to that even as a child is is that a problem? I mean if that's where we're no, going to be No, they don't say it's going. a problem. They just show well, like here's what did. it's going to Well, let me turn tell you into. in the 70s they did. They were like this is, you know, this is yeah. a problem and this is horrendous oh, yeah, I'm sure culturally, and is, But
1: these scientists were just like this is going to happen at this rate. Like this is fine, but here's just so you know like here's what we're all going to look like. like you know?
0: And and we've changed a lot in the way that we look already. Mm-hmm. And
1: we're also going to be really tall. That's the other thing they're you know, I
0: wonder why. Well,
1: it's it's got to do a lot with our foods and you know, we are putting we put more and more hormones. That's one of the reasons we're getting taller as a species overall. But some of it is just Oh yeah, so I happening. don't
0: think that'll continue. My my personal belief is that eating meat with hormones, just eating meat in general isn't sustainable. Well, it's
1: not just meat, it's everything we eat. Yeah, so that's that a problem. I, then it could happen. It's every single thing yeah. we eat. I, I mean, do- originally um, what was that food documentary? They were talking about how originally, you know, there are like thousands of different types of corn. Thousands Mm -hmm. of different species. We only make the seed manufacturers only make three of them, and they've genetically engineered them so that they don't drop seeds, so that the farmers every year have to come back and get more seeds from them. And it's like you know, there's not, there's no, there's no really organic section in any grocery store, and it's horrifying. Yeah, that's
0: we've we've been changing things all along, and
1: so. But we are getting taller. Some of it is our natural just evolution is we're picking the genes that are taller from both of our parents, and we're just slowly getting. But a lot of it is hormones. So they were also saying that. Our average height is just going to get taller, so uh, my friend It'll said be
0: interesting.
1: he was like, uh, "Oh, so they're going to have to raise the hoop in the NBA eventually."
0: Yeah, well, they already should have, in my opinion, because already it's You've not got point can guards you...
1: that can dunk now. Yeah,
0: it's... <laughs> it's not can you get the ball in the basket? It's what you like, what you look like doing it. That should have been changed a long time ago. I will say that this is taking me back to my college days, and there was a, there, it was either an essay, I guess it was an essay. Um, and it was called on being the right Size. We can only get so big, and the reason is you know he talks about these giants and how it couldn 't have worked because doing the math, your own weight would have broken your bone. you know our 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 bone is only mm. at a certain strength. He was talking about angels and how they could not have exist because in order for the wing to be able to lift the body weight of a human the vectorial muscle would have had to have protruded four feet. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just really just looking at the science of unbeing yeah. the right size. Um, so I would, I would argue that we can only get so and tall. So,
1: and there's another part. The bigger point is uh, the oxygen level. Uh, every biological thing on the planet is designed in such a way where, you know, we're no more than two or three cells away from oxygen. That's why we have so many capillaries. No cell can be more than about two or three cells away from an oxygen supply. So when you get to the size of a dinosaur, which back then there was way more oxygen in the air so they can get away with it, mm-hmm. when you get to that big size, you... Efficiency-wise, you can't provide your body with the oxygen to actually exist. So when these movies come out, like uh, The Mist, and they have these giant creatures. There's always a scientist on Twitter. It's like, that thing could not exist in our atmosphere. That thing would drop dead 10 minutes into the movie. Right,
0: right, right. (laughs) So, you know, talking about oxygen, we used to believe that in order to have life, you had to have oxygen. Mm -hmm. And so when we were searching the planets, we were searching for oxygen. And on our own planet... We have found that there are life forms who don't survive on oxygen. I think it's ammonia. Is mm-hmm. it ammonia? There's something. There's something else that they survive on, and we thought that that was impossible. Yeah. Um, the but, working, but,
1: the working theory, because we've been trying to define what life is for since we've been around, and the working theory at that point was that. You know, Because science is just this non-ending beta testing phase of, okay, it has to have oxygen. That's one of the criteria. And then we're like, well, wait a second. That doesn't. So let's, let's right. go back which to the we drawing dis- board. We,
0: which we discovered because it was in the depths of the ocean. And there, I, I remember seeing the video and these things produce this stuff. And it was just amazing. On Mars. There was something about, we, we need to go look at that. There was something about there is evidence of existence of life or the ability to produce life on yeah. Mars.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's not oxygen. It's based on whatever mm. this other thing is. So if you listen to the um, ancient alien theorists, we, we were there. <laughs> we are the Martians. We came here. So that's one thing. I love those shows. I do too. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really believe it, but I want to. Well, it's
1: like the video game thing. Like the Assassin's Creed thing I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. That's a lore. It's not true. It's fiction. But it does paint a an interesting story based on real events where you know it's not real, but you enjoy... The story of it. I
0: don't know that it's not real. Like, some of the things are compelling, and some of them you go, no, that doesn't work. And so, I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't really know, but I love some of the ideas. You know, I just want there to be... Again, Trekkie, Yeah, I want there well, to it's be that. A,
1: it's like um, hoax theories. Like, the reason people like hoax theories, even the ones who, you know, don't just totally believe in them, is it's just a good... It's always a good story. Like, what's more interesting? Like, what's really more interesting? We landed on the moon or we faked a moon landing to bankrupt another country. Yeah. To me, both of those are equally interesting. <laughs> yeah, we landed on the moon. I don't so know. It's a, it's a great thing. And even if you don't, like, I don't, I, I know we landed on the moon, but it's an interesting story yeah, yeah. from a, I'm, you know, yeah. binge watching hoax. Right. So ancient aliens, they'll always have these things. It's, could this be a statue of a guy in an ancient Aztecian throne, or is it proof that a human had a spaceship? Is that a is that right. a rocky stepping on, or is that a rocket ship pedal? Right, right, <laughs> it's right. So great.
0: I just want it to be true, but I know that it might not be. I mean, I really do believe that we are not the only planet that has that has life, and even that has sentient life. I, Professor Sagan, Carl, Carl Sagan, mm-hmm. um, who was a professor where I went to school, you know, he 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 did it mathematically and just to think that there's not other life mathematically is ridiculous come into or my favorite philosophy
1: uh, the philosophy of probably i mean is there life out there probably but the question is what do you do about it you know it's you just sort of can exist like there's no sense in worrying like are we alone? Like, Are there people out there? It's There are probably things out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Carry on. Like,
0: <laughs> Carry on. Right. And then there are, there are these two theories of, oh, they're probably evil or they're probably Could be. not evil. <laughs> and both of those depend on your biases. I mean, I think that they are... Likely not evil, but could they damage us? Absolutely. Stephen
1: Hawking is one of the. He was one of the funniest people, other than being like one of the most brilliant minds. They just goes, "Do you believe there's life out there?" He just goes, "I hope not, <laughs> because if they get to us first, that means that they are really advanced, and that never ends well for the indigenous people." And it's
0: not right. It's not even that it's intentional necessarily, mm-hmm. but but again, that's still an earthly bias that yeah. he's working with. I mean, maybe we will be the one thousandth you know, colony yeah. that they have that they have discovered and they know exactly how mm-hmm. to do it. Again, it's like you know what I'm going with the Star Trek model. <laughs> it's like you <laughs> to in initially doubt, revert to Star Trek.
1: That's a good default.
0: I hope you enjoyed this edition of Mauerglass Podcast. You can get all episodes of Mauerglass Podcast at Mauerglass.com or on iTunes. And if you are on iTunes, we would appreciate you giving us a good review. It makes a huge difference. Bye for now.